Welcome to the Vici Mundum Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia. So, if you're listening at home, folks, I've been at the house for so long that Mr. Anthony <laughs> is actually bringing the podcast to the house. So Austin's a shut-in now. <laughs> a shut-in <laughs> with lots of children and, uh, and lots of screaming, crying, laughing, playing, and <laughs> emotional roller coasters of, of five, five and under-year-olds. I think what Austin's trying to say is that we're recording from his house. Yeah, that's it. That's there it, it is. Yeah. So we're, we're currently lounging on couches, which is awesome. Yeah, we've never podcast lounging. That's how that's how you do it. You recline at table, right? That's that's, that's what Jesus did. It's biblical. It's totally biblical. If Jesus had a podcast, he would have reclined. <laughs> I imagine him in a synagogue on a big couch reclining. A synagogue. A synagogue. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's move along. This is ridiculous. So we actually have uh, some some little guys here with us who want to be on the podcast. Who's here? Gabe. Gabe and Juicy. Gabe and Josie, they're here on the podcast with us. Gabe, how old are you? Three. And Josie, how old are you? Five. Wow. Gabe, what's your favorite thing in the world? Dragons. <laughs> Very nice. And Josie, what's your favorite thing in the world? Princesses and unicorns. That's awesome. That sounds like a three and a five-year-old. I mean, princesses, unicorns, and dragons, that's a pretty good fairy tale. Yeah, that's it. There that's it all is. you need. That's a nice story right there. And a St. George. Woo! Is, yes. that, is that your favorite saint, Gabe? Yeah. Tell me about St. George. St. George fed dragons so hard. And did, he had his guys badly. He did what badly? Had his bad guys. He got the bad guys? Yeah, with a hatchet. With a hatchet? Yep. Whoa, Nice. St. George sounds awesome. Jesse, who's your favorite saint? St. Baquita. St. Baquita. That's St. Josephine Baquita. Why is she your favorite? Because she's my saint. There you have it. Your personal saint. Your personal saint at your disposal whenever you need her, right? Is that who we we named you for? Yes. All right. Gabe, is there anything else that you would like to say? It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Let's hear it. He loves people. He bees kind to people. He loves people and he bees kind to people. It's very true. It is very. That's. I, I think that's our podcast. It's a wrap. Yeah. What else do we need to say? That's all we need to say. <laughs> uh, well, guys, thank you for being on the podcast today. We were so happy to have you, and uh, maybe we'll bring you back again. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Woo. All right, and now I think they're going to go run in the other room or something while we while we bye, talk about our next topic. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Say bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kids, they're the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a great, great couple weeks here <laughs> at the house. It took me a while to kind of get into the flow, I'll be honest with you. To be like of being a stay-at-home dad? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, but now it's like it's, it's fantastic. The days are so fast, you wouldn't even believe it. You're going to get spoiled. I know. This I'm is going to be spoiled. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to work. I'm not even going to know what to do. My poor kids, they're going to weep. Yeah. So, uh, well, folks, as you uh, probably guessed from our beginning here in the uh, podcast studio of my living room, are Anthony Ferguson and myself, Austin Farenholt. 
And today we're going to talk about a saint. I think, Anthony, you're going to kind of lead us through this. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is a saint that is actually very near and dear to the heart of one of our other favorite people in the world, uh, Deacon Chris Masla. Uh, but the name of the saint, well, he's not quite canonized officially, fully, completely. He is His name is Blessed Stanley Rother. Have you ever heard of him? I've only heard of him because uh, Deacon Chris Maslow brought him up a couple times. He's, he's kind of in love with the guy. It's great. It's yeah. Great. <laughs> but he should be. He's an awesome saint. So um, if you didn't know, he is uh, he's a, actually a priest from Oklahoma that went on a mission in Guatemala. And this was in like... The 19, I want to say late 60s, early 70s, um, that he started his ministry in, in Guatemala. And he ended up being martyred there. Mm. Um, yeah. So, uh, and this was during, during the Guatemalan Civil War. This is pretty so, recent. Yes. He, he actually died in 1981. That was the year that he was actually martyred. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, very recent. Yes. Man, and, we've had a lot of recent saints lately. Yeah. We had that episode on, what, St. Gianna? St. Gianna. I was not there for that one. No, you weren't. And then, I abandoned uh, you. <laughs> sorry. And then uh, Mother Teresa is a recent saint. John Paul II, Padre Pio. I mean, there's a bunch in like the yes. 1900s. It's fantastic. Yeah. And, and when Blessed Stanley Rother, hopefully, God willing, will be... Uh, canonized a saint he will be the first american-born male saint wow that'll be you know if i mean if all goes according to uh, the the process i mean it seems like it's well in well in process already so wow that's yeah. awesome yeah nice There's but a few, uh, you know we actually have one quick shout out a virginian who's on uh, on the path um and we should pray uh for his intercession is frank parader Yes. Servant of God right now. We need some miracles, folks, so pray for miracles. And we actually, well, anyway, that's a, we'll do another podcast on Frank Parader. <laughs> I feel so lethargic here on this couch. <laughs> this is going to be a long, drawn-out I don't podcast. know what's going to happen. It feels like we're, getting, we're taking forever to get anywhere. It's oh already seven gosh. minutes in. Father Stanley Rother, let's go. All right, so, uh, okay, so. Um, Give me a backdrop. What's the story? What's his story? Well, I mean, he was just a farm boy. He was a farm boy from Oklahoma. And, and you know, he, he was very, very unassuming. Like, basically, from what his biography talks about is, like, the people that he grew up with, he was very shy. He was very reserved. But he was also really focused. So, like, he was the type of guy that... Um, that really liked to get his hands dirty. He wanted to go out and work in the fields. He wanted to go out and fix things. He wanted to go build things. He was just a really manly guy. Um, really, really uh, in love with the Lord from a very early age, from from what his biography seems to recount. Uh, grew up in a really, really staunch Catholic background. Like like several of his class like classmates from like high school went on to seminary. A lot of Girls from his high school became uh, religious sisters. So it was just like this thick Catholic environment that he grew up in. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but basically... Was he, was he a diocesan priest? Diocesan that, priest, yeah. yeah he, wow. So he studied for the diocese of... I think it was Okarchi. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, um, Okarchi. Actually, he was ordained as a priest for the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City. He was from Okarchi. Um, okay. But anyways, so long story short... Uh, he had a really rough go at it in seminary, though. Really? Yeah, he was like a John Vianney type. Um, so he 
bounced around. He actually tried going to seminary at, in one seminary and he just wasn't working. Like he mm-hmm. was just not academically fit for that particular seminary. So they ended up sending him off to Mount St. Mary's. Shout out to oh, all of the Mounties. Wow. That's where our bishop's from. That's where our Bishop Nestout uh, studied to be a priest. Emmitsburg, Maryland, right? Emmitsburg, Maryland. Yeah. Yep. And we have a couple guys going there this coming fall for the first time in a long time. Uh, but so, so blessed Stanley Rother, he, he, uh, got sent to Mount St. Mary's as kind of a backup. Like he sent, he got sent there because, uh, they were the only seminary that were willing to try to form him wow. um, because they recognized that this is a man with great piety and with great love for God, but just not the same skill set that some of the other seminarians had, like the academic side, like the just kind of the logical and also Latin, because at the time there were a lot of their textbooks were still in Latin. So, I mean, that was really tough for him. I mean, if you imagine he's just like a little farm boy, farm boy from Oklahoma. Uh, that's a big, big task to ask of him. Well, and so. I imagine he probably more of wanted to be outside working on things, and so devoting himself to intellectual study, I'm sure, was like was quite a challenge. Yeah, and in fact, uh, the biography talks about how he actually helped build a lot of stuff. Like he helped build a grotto at Mount St. Mary's, which I think continu- is still stands he there today. He helped build that one, really? I, I don't know which one he helped build, but there was a grotto somewhere uh, that he helped put some of the, f- the foundation for, of all the, the oh. stones. Um, and, and some of his classmates even said that that was, that was kind of a distraction for his studies. Like, he wanted to be out doing stuff, like working, <laughs> like, you know, being a far- kind of like a farmer, you know? And uh, he, he worked in, like, the, the bindery, so he helped, like, bind books for the seminary. Um, I guess that was a thing. They don't do that at my seminary. But uh, so he was really, really into all this stuff that that just kind of drew away from his studies for whatever reason. And, and so it kind of distracted him. It created kind of a, a tension in his formation. You know, some of, some of that's kind of refreshing because I think it, uh, I read about a lot of saints who are, um, you know, very smart or uh, – or were, were contemplatives, you know, and and kind of had that more prayerful, quiet, like cloistered lifestyle. And here's a guy who just wants to, he's a farmer, like you said, he wants to get his hands dirty. Yeah. He wants to go build things, do things. He's industrious. Yes. You know, that's really cool. Yeah. And, and one of his first assignments when he finally was ordained a priest was to build a retreat center. Really? <laughs> for the Archdiocese of Oklahoma. Wow. So he like hand built, and they still use this space. I mean, he hand built it. He went out in the woods. It's in the middle of the woods somewhere. And he just chopped down trees and built this <laughs> retreat center. I mean, he was awesome. Wow. Like, he was really an inspirational guy. Um, and, and, you know, it's so interesting because all of this preparation, all this like hard work ethic, like this, this dedication to not acting like you're better than manual labor prepared him for his mission in Guatemala because Mm. you know, when, so apparently Pope, uh, Pope St. John the 23rd was the Pope that said, we need priests to go on mission in Central America. Like he was the one that called for it. And so a number of dioceses in the United States set up missions somewhere in Central America. And, And so Oklahoma had a, a mission in uh, Santiago Atitlan, which is where his church was, St. Saint, Saint, Saint James, Santiago. Um, oh. And that was a, a little town next to this beautiful, beautiful lake in in kind of the heart of Guatemala, like in the highlands um, of Guatemala. And uh, so that was kind of how he got sent there. The, the Pope called for priests. Oklahoma set up a mission. The bishop needed some a couple of his priests to go down there. And he was he actually requested to go. 
Oh, uh, wow. He, I don't know why. I, I don't know if it really explained why he felt like he needed to go, but it was just very clear. That he wanted to go. This is where God was calling him. Wow. Um, yeah. So um, so he ends up showing up. He, I mean, he was not a missionary. He wasn't used to it. This was brand new to him. And, and so when he got down there, there were some like veteran missionaries that he worked with, and they kind of showed him the ropes. Uh, but right from the get-go, the people of Guatemala recognized that there was something different about this guy. And, and he was getting involved in their life in a way that no other missionary did. So he would go out and work in the fields with them. And just be a total boss, like, you know, help farm with them. Oh, wow. And just do manual labor. He helped rebuild, like, their, like, different things in their community. He helped, like, be a part of their life in a way that none of the other missionaries really knew how to because, you know, they, they didn't weren't, have those skills. They came with, like, the pastoral, the, you know, the academic, like, the conceptual idea of how to be a missionary. And, and Blessed Stanley Rother came with, like the the know how how to get involved in people's lives and help make a really big impact on them a really really tangible impact right away so but also with the pastoral yeah and he kind and of brought both of it yeah. yeah i mean he got entrenched in these people's lives and he fell in love with the people of guatemala mm. and, and so he went there knowing english and no spanish no none of the the indigenous languages because the people he was serving there were actually a lot of them their primary tongue was an indig- indigenous language. Oh, um, wow. So they were of Mayan descent. And so they, uh, he learned their language and, and ended up translating the new Testament into it, like into this language. So I mean, Holy smokes. the dude that flunked out of seminary is now translating the, the new Testament into an indigenous Guatemalan dialect. Wow. Holy smokes. I mean, that's God's grace. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. That's just, uh, I mean, that that's really, really sounds like an incredible guy to just kind of pierce into people's lives in such a tangible way that to see a need that they have and just want to go in and farm with them. I mean, you would have so much respect for somebody that, that, you know, that wants to come in and is interested in what you're doing and wants you to help, wants to help you do it better, you know? And, and, you know, he, he went, I mean, I don't want to belittle him. He he definitely didn't just go there and farm. I mean, he was there and he was a priest. He was a priest of Jesus Christ, and that was his identity. So he, let me ask you something first about them. Yeah, was it Catholic it. there? Were they already Catholic in Guatemala, or were they... Yeah, I mean, there's there was a lot of, apparently, po- like, popular piety. There was some idolatry that was going on, like, superstitious kind of stuff. But, okay. um, I mean, overall, it was a, it was already, like, Catholicized. Okay. So a lot of people... I mean, there was already a church there, for instance. So they really there. needed... Like pastoral support at that point is what the missionaries were going for and to, to yeah, teach uh, well, and catechize and so forth. Yeah, I mean, and at that time in history, there was a lot of um, misguided Catholic theology that was going on in Central America. Okay. There was liberation theology going on that basically it was kind of this utopian sense that, uh, you know, Jesus wants us free, so we need to, like, you know, join the revolution and overthrow the government and, like, you know, have this kind oh, of very, very worldly approach to to Christianity. Okay. Um, Not communion and liberation. No, that's communion different. and liberation is awesome. Liberation theology uh, even that's kind of complicated because there are liberation theologians that are not strictly heterodox or unorthodox, but uh there was there was a, there was uh some people that kind of used it in a political sense that that kind of grasped that the energies okay. behind the the 
the good grounds of like you know theological speculation, and then it went off the deep end. Okay, and, and, and they were using it as justification to go for their political. Yeah, so you had all means. these kind of these horrible, horrible groups of people that were doing terrible things to to one oh, another, wow. basically in, in the, the name, name of, of liberation. Yeah. Wow. You know? and and that's not that's not what Christianity is about. Right. It, we're, I mean, it's a it's a religion of love, and and we love our neighbor, we love our enemies. Um, there is such a thing as a just war and there, and there's that, that reality. But, um, the, yeah, liberation theology was kind of a confusing period for the church. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be corrected. Um, and it was pretty third world, right? Yes. Yeah. And just serving the poor, you know, being with the poor. Uh, that was a huge part of, of the mission. So, Mm. wow. So he ended up being martyred. Yeah. Yeah. So the plot thickens. Um, so while they were down there, the the conditions, the uh, political conditions deteriorated very quickly. Um, so basically, the government was oppressing the indigenous peoples um, because they kind of thought that there was this revolution that they had to squish, and so they they like used this very heavy hand against innocent civilians and ended up killing people in the in the countryside, like. Horrible, horrible, horrible things. You know, just people disappearing, like husbands and family members. Um, so, and these were Blessed Stanley Rother's parishioners. Wow. These were his catechists. Because before long, the government, uh, the, the Guatemalan government, the authorities, started to think, well, because the church is speaking out against atrocities, they're obviously on the side of, you know, these guerrilla warfare kind of people that are out there. Um, and so they started persecuting the church. Oh, wow. So they started killing priests. They, I mean, priests started leaving in droves. Missionaries left the country. It was a crazy time. Because if they stayed, essentially, they were high risk for being murdered. Yeah, they were, on, they were on death threat lists. Wow. Um, so, and, and people at the Santiago, St. James uh, Mission in Santiago, Atitlan, I mean, they kind of one by one left. And before long, Blessed Stanley Rother was like the only guy left. Wow. He was the only one left. And, and finally, it came to it like he was... He was on like the the kill list basically, um, and he wrote to his bishop, and his bishop said, "All right, you're coming home. <laughs> like, right, you're, you're coming home. This is too dangerous." And uh, and the the biography that I read about him basically said that he went home, and uh, everybody knew that he was going to go back. Hmm. Like, everybody knew he was going to go back, and uh, the the famous quote that he's he's very well known for saying is that you know the shepherd doesn't run. When when the sheep are in danger, the shepherd the shepherd doesn't run away. Oh wow! And that's from that's from the Gospels that says you know uh, the good shepherd lays yeah, down his life. Yeah. yeah, the good shepherd lays down his life. He doesn't run away when things get hard. He doesn't he doesn't abandon his sheep when they're in danger. That that's what the hireling does. Mm. Um, but he was. I mean, he was part of that community. He was one of them. So he came back because the bishop basically asked him to come back. Right. So the first time he came back. Yeah, like he he got a, he went home and it was kind of his farewell tour. He he visited a lot of people, he visited his family, his friends, um and and everybody that met him during that time kind of knew he was going to go back and he's probably not going to come back. Mm. Uh, he's not going to come home. Uh so it was just this really really heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching story. But he went back because he loved his people and he wanted to lay down his life for them. Yeah. Like he knew that they were suffering and he wanted to be with them. No greater love is this. Yeah. Yeah. Than to lay down your life for your friends. So, wow. I, I had a chance to, like last summer, go to Santiago Atitlan, and it was really powerful to be there because you could just get a sense, like, 
walking through that little town, um, I, I mentioned to one of the seminarians that we were there with, uh, I was like, these are Stanley Rother's people. Mm. The, these are his parishioners, and they're still here. Yeah, I was going to say, because what did you say, it was 81? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that, that we're talking like less than 40 years ago. Yeah, I mean, that, one of the priests that was at the monastery that we stayed at knew him. Wow. And, and in fact, the book talks about this little this little young young kid that blesses Stanley Rother encouraged to go to seminary from uh, Padre Cristobal and he was at our at the monastery that we were studying Spanish at like Father, Father Cristobal there he is in the flesh um a living a living like testament to uh Father Rother's impact on that country yeah it's the fruit of what he what he's done right there yeah wow so yeah what do they say the uh the seed of the church is uh, from the blood of martyrs or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I mean, there it is because I, right now it's not, um, it's much safer, right. For, for Catholics and for priests. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you've been there. Yeah, absolutely. The, the situation is, is definitely calm, calmer now. I mean, it's the civil war is quote unquote over. So, um, but yeah, there's still, there's still a lot of pain there because of that, that, period in their history right uh, there's a lot of suffering still just from you know there's distrust um but but the memory of blessed stanley rother is still very palpable um there's a beautiful plaque there uh well first of all we went into the room where he was martyred into wow. the, the actual room where he was staying um and they, they've since turned it into a little chapel and there's like a bullet hole in the in the floor where like the bullet went went um and, and it was just so so imp- amazing we had mass there oh my gosh we had mass in this chapel and uh and the readings that just happened to be the daily readings for the day that we were there uh was the the one where it was in the in corinthians where paul writes you know the love of christ compels us for we are convinced that because one has died one has died for all therefore all have died and those who live sh- should live for him now you know wow. um so i don't know it's just really cool to think that Father Stanley Rother laid his life down out of love, and because he died, now all these other people are thriving. You know, the church in Guatemala is thriving because of him. Yeah, uh, that was really cool. That is really awesome. I mean, that just kind of—I just love the uh, kind of his sacrificial personality that you that you can draw from that story. That well, yeah, there's there's the big sacrifice that he laid down his life, but also, I mean, it, it no doubt. To, on some level, it was kind of humiliating to bounce around seminaries and wonder, you know, how am I going to do this? And it would have been far easier for him to say, I want to be a farmer. I mean, it's obviously what he loved to do is work with his hands. And so he could have thrown it all to the wind and said, you know what, I'm going to go do this other stuff. But mm-hmm. he persevered through and, uh, and, and probably suffered through schoolwork um, in order to, for the greater good of, of the, the Christian people. Mm-hmm. For his brothers and sisters in Christ, um, and that, that's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and, and apparently he had a really good sense of humor too. So nice, <laughs> <laughs> kept it lighthearted as well all the way through. So I mean, it's he's a really cool guy. Um, definitely, definitely pray for his canonization for uh, for his cause. Are there it, any uh, any cool miracles? Do you know of any that that have kind of got I, it started? Because now he's he's a blessed. So yeah, I know that there is a miraculous healing that happened okay. uh, within the last couple of years. So, but I don't know. 
Okay. I don't know the circumstances. I'm sorry. And his feast day is coming up, right? July the 28th. July so the 28th. Hopefully this podcast comes out around that time. Yeah, so. that'd be great. But and yeah, if you, if you be... can, send us an email. Maybe you have a, uh, a specific request. Maybe we can get our um, our podcast community to say some prayers. That'd be really neat. Yeah. Um, for for some healing or something. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. So. That's great. Absolutely. But and sorry, Chris Maslow, that you couldn't come here to talk about <laughs> your favorite saint. He's he's his patron, so yeah. yeah. And maybe he'll he'll be his patron for his priesthood. But he's he's a wonderful priest, and uh, yeah, he's he's definitely praying for priests everywhere. So Chris Maslow and I were joking about um, about Father Stanley actually. Anyway, not joking about him, but. <laughs> uh, I, I told Chris, I was like, I don't think that there's any American-born uh, priests who are saints, and um, and who who like you know who di- we obviously had people come from other countries, priests and stuff. Um, and he was like, and, and he did some research. He's like, no, Father Stanley Rother, you know, he's he's a blessed. He's going to make it. I was like, no, 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 he wasn't killed in America. Doesn't count. Is that how? <laughs> is that how? Chris found out about him? It may be, but I'm not positive. I think he knew about it before okay. that, and he's probably going to text me and tell me the truth after <laughs> this. Like, but Austin, you're the worst. Yeah, that, that's exactly what he'll say. Um, but, yeah, sorry, Chris. Man, I like uh, I like podcasting on couches. This is comfortable, though. It's I, really nice. We should do it again. We should have a beer while we do this. Uh, it's so much comfier. That Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. So. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for sharing about uh, Blessed Stanley Rother. I'll be praying um, that we that his cause gets continued. That'd be really cool. Have a have an American born Oklahoma farm boy, true American man, yeah, become a saint. Yeah, and, and pray for the people of Guatemala because I mean there's still still a lot of poverty there. Yeah, so pray for them. Our very own Deacon Franciscus, and and pray for the seminarians that are down there studying Spanish right there. Kevin. Oh yeah, our our Kevin Kevin Rydell, our seminarian, he'll be coming here in a couple short weeks. Uh, he's down there studying right now. So Guatemala, Guatemala. All right, prayers for him. Guatemalteco. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again for tuning into this couch edition of Vici Mundum <laughs> Show. Austin and I had fun talking with you. Uh, we'll see you next week on Friday. And uh, until then, go ahead and share this with your friends and family. And uh, rate us on iTunes, all that good stuff. Uh, and pray for our ministry. And until next time, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray, pray for, for us. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia, or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. This podcast is presented to you by individuals who are not all necessarily experts in the field of discussion, but are answering the call of the new evangelization and sharing the love of Christ with you. God bless you.